Welcome, everyone, to another episode of What Exit Jersey Stories. My name is Nick Franco, and with me, as always, uh, Pete Riario. And joining us today, um, he was on our uh, fourth episode when we discussed New Jersey malls, but our, our great friend, uh, Mr. Frank Ramsey. How's it going, people? And today we're going to discuss, well, let's say we're, we're going to get very real today. We're, we're, we're not going to talk about, you know, the fun malls of New Jersey. We're not going to talk about, oh, Bruce Springsteen and all these things. We're going to talk about something serious. We're, we're, we're going to go into history and talk about the, the events of what's called the long hot summer of 1967. Now, now Frank, you, you, uh, you were born in what, 68? No, 67, uh, November. Oh, you were, you were 67. Me, uh, but, when all this stuff was going on. Okay, I was going to say, it's like, yeah, because it, it was ma- mainly summer, but uh, into basically September when yeah. these uh, events happened. And Pete, you were a 68 baby, so. Yeah, 68. Well, what do you guys know of, if when I say the long, hot summer of 1967, what oh, comes no, to mind? A lot of... Um, racial unrest and it was everywhere because I seem to remember um, what my mom was telling me it was also in uh, Patterson that they had it. It wasn't as big as Newark or uh, mm-hmm. uh, what the hell was the other uh, place? I don't know, like Persephone or something that was, was significantly large. Yeah. But... <clears throat> there were there there are uprisings all over. Um, yeah, some did not get the notoriety as others. Um, and what what we're going to actually do is we're actually going to backtrack a few years to now, number one, th- this all happened really in, in the heart of the civil rights movement. Right. This, this is what was going on at the time. Now, d- during this, in 1964, a young boy in Harlem, New York name of James Powell was shot and killed in front of friends and about a dozen witnesses by a policeman. Do you, do you know about the, uh, the harm riot as it's called? Uh, only vaguely. Yeah. Well, th- th- this set off about six consecutive nights of rioting in Harlem and uh, Bedford's die and actually set off other simultaneous riots in other cities as what you brought up too th- this was happening like in response all over Jersey City um, Edison and other cities also uh, Philadelphia also saw riots break out as a result of the shooting now uh, the result you know we're, we're actually going to go quick through this and and the next subject, so we can actually hit the New Jersey side of the story. But the aftermath of the Harlem riot was, okay, about 4,000 people had participated at that time. One rioter was killed, 500 injured, and there were 465 arrests that happened. And Dr. King was called in to actually make a trip to New York. 
you know, again, during yeah, the civil rights movement. And uh, Dr. King actually said uh, upon, you know, for, for making his trip, he says, I call upon all Negro and white citizens of goodwill to continue to struggle unrelentingly, but nonviolently against the racial and economic oppression that face our country. What we're going to do is we're going to now skip a year. Do you know what happened in 1965 if we continue this series? Pete, do you know? No, not off the top of my head. I don't. Um, I, Frank, go ahead. Frank? No. <clears throat> well, in Los Angeles. Oh. Um, was that the Lost was, Riots? What, that is correct. Okay. Uh, which, which tends, I think, to get more... A more publicized or more well-known historically than yes, Harlem exactly. riots or um, the, you yeah. know, right? The New but Jersey riots. You cannot just say like, oh, you know, what happened in Newark and happened in Plainfield, that which we're going to discuss, just happened out of thin air, out of the blue, for no reason whatsoever. You have to look at each step in history and what happened, and. As you said, you know, the Watts riots, it's because it took place in the Watts riots of Los Angeles. Um, there was a 20-year-old man, African-American, named Market Fry. He was pulled over for allegedly reckless driving. Um, after a sobriety test, he was uh, put under arrest. His, but his brother, who was a passenger in the car, uh, walked to their home and brought back their mom. Her, uh, their mom actually scolded her son and then someone shoved her. So, you know, there was her two sons there and the police officers. So, who was going to shove her? Well, she determined it's one of the officers. Right. So, she, she, she jumped at one of the officers. Then another officer pulled out a shotgun. Then backups were called in and forcefully tried to subdue um, um, Marquette Fry and his mother and his brother. But at the same time, community members had actually gathered and said that the police roughed up Fry and f the, with the people that, you know, like um, the members that had come to witness this, that the police had supposedly kicked a pregnant woman at the same time. Yeah. So in response, the crowd started yelling and throwing objects at the uh, police while Fry, his brother and his mom were arrested. And the crowd grew more and more and more police came to break up the scene, but were met with more thrown objects. These the Watts riots lasted six days and escalated to a point the National Guard was brought in. Over 31,000 people participated in these riots. As we discussed with the Harlem riot, only about 4,000 people participated at that time. So things are escalating in this country. And again, Dr. King came in afterwards to, tr to try to de-escalate the situation and to speak to everyone, you know, for harmony. Now, we're going to look at why, why did these riots happen in Los Angeles? Um, do, do, uh, 
do you guys know any of the you know what was going on at the time that would have provoked the the uh, you know besides the situation itself what would have happened to provoke these riots well sadly the same stuff that's been going on you know even today you know yep. with the bad economic situation um, right overly aggressive policing mm-hmm. yep communities and a lot of just general frustration Yes, and you, you've hit all the nails on the head. I'm going to give a, a specific one uh, with the economic piece. Mm-hmm. There was a um, a bill called the Rumsford Fair Housing Act in California that gave uh, p- people, you know, disadvantaged people, access to fair housing. Sounds like a good thing, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Well... Then California came out with what was called Proposition 14, which basically repealed the Rumsford Fair Housing Act. So what, because of this, it, um, it basically more racial discrimination between property owners and renters of color. Right. You know, it was happening more and more. Yeah, that's now, a thing. <laughs> so... Yeah. So, so we have these two hap- you know, these two events, the Harlem riot and the Watts riot in '64 and '65. Do things get better in the next couple of years? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, I'd say no. <laughs> and you would be correct. Basically, you know, to to this point, you know, leading up to the summer of 1967, a, a real history of like. Institutionalized unemployment, abusive policing, poor housing. It it became more prevalent, particularly in the urban areas of our country, in you know, in in many of these large cities. And this leads us into 1967, where d- due to this. Yeah, d- d- due to what we just discussed, you know, unemployment, abusive policing, poor housing, riots started springing up around the country. Now, you know, again, the, the, the title, The Long Hot Summer of 1967, it was also um, unseasonably hot, hot. <laughs> for this summer, and it, and it came early. So in June... Of 1967, riots actually started springing up around in multiple cities, including. Tell me if any of these um, names sound familiar. Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. Cairo, Illinois, near Chicago. Cambridge, Maryland, near Baltimore. Cincinnati, Ohio. Detroit, Michigan. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Saginaw, Michigan, and Portland, Oregon. Do any of these towns sound familiar and sound like they're in the news lately? Right. Yeah. Exactly. I'm thinking the same thing, Frank. It's like, you know, how how many years ago are we talking now? Like 45 some years? 53 years ago. 53, I'm sorry. Yeah. 53 years. I don't know if you knew that. But it's like all the the bullet points you're bringing up, not much has changed. Right. No. And we're going to go into that now. Yeah. And and see how this affected some of our large cities in New Jersey. And 
just so you know, another thing happening at the time, in July of 67, the Justice Department met with the media, with local media, and asked for restraint in reporting regarding the riots. So, so basically, pl- please downplay what's going on, or please try to not make this th- your front page. Again, th- 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 this also plays into some of the narratives that we hear to this day. Mm-hmm. But now we're going to Newark. And before we go into 67 Newark, we're going to talk about early 1900s Newark. How much do you guys know about Newark? Very little. I mean, I've worked there, but not that much. Gotcha. How yeah. about you, Pete? Uh, um, I know the Prudential Center, and they have good steakhouses there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, awesome. no, there, there, there's plenty of plenty of good steakhouses. Um, Corey uh, Booker, what's oh, that? Yeah, yeah Corey, Corey Booker. Booker. Um, yep, yeah. Uh, but plenty of uh, with we were talking about the food. Uh, pl- plenty of great Portuguese and Brazilian restaurants to uh, mm-hmm. to, to dine in, and, and you know, like uh, a, a lot of it's a very how do you want it? Richly diverse city, and which has multiple sections. These sections are called wards. We're going to talk about one of the wards. The ward we're going to talk about is called the Central Ward, which um, at the early 1900s was actually home to a very growing European immigrant population at the time. But Come the 1920s, after World War One, a lot of those immigrants began moving to other prosperous areas of the city, some of the other wards, or to other surrounding towns. Now we're going to jump ahead to the end of World War II. Due to the legislation of the Servicemen's Readjustment Act of 1944, do either of you guys know what that is? Yeah, that's, Likely. The, uh, that's the GI Bill. Isn't it? Bingo. Yeah. The GI Bill. Well, yes. A lot, a, a lot of white veterans who had just returned from the fighting in World War II began to emigrate from Newark to the suburbs where there was improved access to, like, the highways, uh, a lot of low-interest mortgages, colleges, and other education. Um, they, they, they started moving out of Newark. Now, at this time in history, there was also another migration from the South. A lot of African-American uh, American citizens had actually migrated from the South to the North, P- particularly to Newark, to, to, to the central ward of Newark. Because all these other people moved out, you know, th- there was, you know, there were places to live. You know, so they moved in. And in fact, just to show you, by 1960, 100,000, well, over 100,000 African Americans had migrated to Newark in the Central Ward. And the Central Ward became home to 90% of the city's African American population. 
Yeah, I I didn't know. Again, th- this is one of the Neither. reasons actually that we do actually this podcast. Also, I'm yeah, I'm interested in New Jersey history. Though. I'm interested into all of our history. I didn't know these things Neither. about you know, you know again, we're, and we're talking a, a a prominent city such as Newark. Well, what also happened at the time that again the immigration of some of these um, white citizens. The immigration of the African American citizens, well, deindustrialization started happening in Newark. So some of the things that Newark was known for, some of the industries actually started leaving the city as well. And the other piece that I talked about, you know, suburbanization, you know, people leaving for the suburbs. That's what it was still happening. Oh well, yeah, the now, whole uh, white flight thing. Correct. Yeah, you 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 hit the term uh, correctly. That that is what was happening at the time. Now, much like residents of other urban areas around the country, people of the central ward faced unemployment or underemployment, poor housing, substandard uh, the schools and education. And daily harassment from local majority white police mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, force. Mm. So, it, it, here's the thing. A lot of these African Americans, even though they represented the majority of the population of the area, they were shut out of local politics and shut out of many of the positions on the police force. In fact, at at the time of this uh, happening, the in, in 1970, uh, 1967, only 11% of the, I think, 1,300-plus police force was African-American. Just insane. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it really is. Well, here's you know what, what was also going on. Racial profiling. Redlining. Do you, either of you guys know what redlining is? I, I've heard the term before. Yeah, same here. I've heard the term. Um, okay. Well, redlining is a basically a systematic denial of various services by government agencies, local governments, you know, like be, be it federal and local, right. as well as private sector uh, groups to residents of specific neighborhoods or communities. Mm-hmm. Or it's and also um, things are done by uh, selectively raising prices in certain areas. Right. Well, this is what the citizens of Newark were being faced with. So, leading up to 1967 and months prior to the summer, tension grew between the African American residents and the Newark city officials. Now, one of the main um, things that happened was um, the city tried to displace many of the residents who, who lived in many tenement buildings by confiscating 160 acres of property under public domain yeah. with the intention to build a medical school. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that was the what was it the University of uh, Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey? Yeah. 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 Th- th- this is what 
they, they, they were throwing people out of their homes for. And, you know, thousands of low-income African-American residents were displaced at a time when, you know, like a yeah, lot of... No one has jobs. Yeah, yeah. no one has yeah. jobs. A lot of the buildings in Newark, a lot of the housing was aging already. Newark is one of the older cities in, yeah. in our, our country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, and there were high tax rates. So a lot of people could not afford this. Now, what, what was that meant by? Well, unfortunately, a lot of these people homeless and that were subjected to police brutality. Right. Yeah, on top of everything else that they're dealing with, you know, this crap to deal with. Correct. Right. Now, here's a, an odd, like, a, a, a bit of a, a strange thing. Newark was one of the first cities in the country to hire black police officers. But, as I explained, the demigration, uh, the, the demigration, the demographics remained at odds with the city's right. population. Damn. So, you know, I, I said it was only about 11% of, of the police force was yeah, African-American. <laughs> right. Now... Yeah, a, a, a lot of times, white police officers would routinely stop and question uh, uh, African-American youths with or without provocation. And now we're going to get into a couple more things that pushed people's buttons. The mayor of Newark. The mayor of Newark at the time was Mayor Hugh J. Adoniz- Adonizio. I, see, I should be able to pronounce it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's an Italian name here. but uh, Hey. Hey, what, forget about it. Well, he added to the unhappiness of the time when he picked uh, a, a white man with only a high school diploma rather than a <laughs> rather than an African-American candidate who had a master's degree to serve as the secretary of the Board of Education. Yeah, because that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Oh, well. At the same time, the police raided a Muslim karate school and assaulted those present during the raid. So, I, 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 you know, I, I, I take karate, and I can only imagine, like, you know, just go, go, going through katas, you know, you know, doing training, and then all of a sudden, the police busting in, and, mm-hmm. yeah. It sounds like a Netflix series. It does. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> d- d- doesn't this all sound like something like, oh, the, the, okay, this is all just a big dramatization, you know, like, like, like somebody mm-hmm. scripted all this. No, this is what was actually happening, happening. Yeah. in the city of Newark. Yeah. So basically, the, the, the city was at a tipping point when July 12th, 1967 hit. Do you know the basic, the, you know, b- b- besides everything we've already spoke about, the, the event, the provocation that led to the Newark riots? Yeah, I think it was. Um one guy got killed. And I can't remember what the hell his name was, but I remember that that was a catalyst. Or one of the catalysts. Well, he wasn't killed. Here's the other thing. Do you know, Pete? I do not, no. Okay. I don't know what the incident was. What it was was an African-American cab driver named John William Smith passed a double-parked police car. The police officers in that car uh, John D. Simone and Vito Pontrelli uh, pulled him over. They arrested him, beat him, 
and took him to the 4th Police Precinct, where it was, he was charged with assaulting the officers and making insulting remarks. Exactly. This was what was happening at the time. Now, there was a large housing project near the 4th Police Precinct building. It was called Hayes Homes. And a lot of residents saw an incapacitated Smith being dragged into the precinct and a rumor started that he had been beaten to death while in police custody. Okay, that's where I heard. That's, yeah, exactly. So, again, he was not killed, but rumor went around he was. Now, a, a, um, a witness of the arrest had also contacted members of CORE, the Congress, the Congress of Racial Equality, the United Freedom Party, and the Newark Community Union Project for a further investigation into what happened to Mr. Smith. And they were granted access to his holding cell, and after seeing the injuries sustained from the beating he took, they demanded he be moved to Beth Israel Hospital in Newark, which... Thankfully, their request was granted. Well, at the same time, this is what happened. And accounts vary on exactly what happened next. Some say the crowd started throwing rocks through the precinct windows, and then police rushed outside wearing hard hats and carrying clubs. Others say that the police rushed out the station to confront the crowd that was gathered and just... <laughs> with hard hats and clubs and the crowd started throwing bricks, bottles, and rocks. Hmm. Whichever way you slice it, it wasn't good. Yeah. So, at, at least now, at, during this commotion, at least five police officers were struck by stones. And citizens actually were so frustrated, they ran to City Hall and started uh, protesting angrily there as well. Looters started smashing windows of a few uh, local stores and threw merchandise onto the sidewalks. Now, a march was then organized to protest the beatings and the police brutality in the city. During the rally, an unknown woman actually smashed the windows of the 4th Precinct with a metal bar. This escalated things quickly. Looting soon began and spread along Springfield Avenue, uh, which was, in Newark, the neighborhood business district. Molotov cocktails were also thrown into shops, and entire buildings caught fire. And, like, uh, a car was burned, and, you know, uh, a policeman was hit uh, by, by uh, you know, again, uh, a thrown brick. And in response, shotguns were issued to the police officers. And again, does any of this stuff sound familiar to yeah. what we discussed earlier and to what is currently happening? What's going on now? Yeah. Right. By midnight, looting had spread to other areas in proximity to the march. And all police were placed on emergency duty. In fact, a report is said 
at one o'clock, police were told to fire if necessary. Within the next two hours, the New Jersey Army National Guard and the New Jersey State Police were uh, dispatched to Newark. So, again, is any of this sounding familiar? Yeah, too familiar. Exactly. Now, another event happened on the evening of July 15th. Um, an African-American woman, Rebecca Brown, was killed in a hail of bullets directed at the window of her second floor apartment. And an even greater backlash and discord hit the city. Now, during, during this discord, um, there was a photographer who was in Newark at the time. His name was Bud Lee. Do, you, do either of you guys, have you ever heard of him? No, I don't think so. No. Well, he 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 was a I believe a um, uh, what what do you call it? What do you, what do you call it when a photographer can work for multiple organizations? That, freelance. Uh, That's freelance, the word. Yes, freelancer yeah. photographer, right? But he he was al- in Newark along with a reporter for Life Magazine. Uh, the reporter's name was Dale Whitner. Um, during. During the riots, Lee took several grim photos of a police officer gunning down. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, gunning down a uh, 24-year-old William Furr, an African-American man who was caught in an act of stealing a six-pack of beer from a liquor store. So th- th- this is one of the images that this photographer caught at this time. At the same time, he then also shot a photo of 12-year-old Joe Bass Jr., who was laying bleeding on the ground after stray uh, pellets from the police shotgun blast that killed Fur accidentally struck this kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, Bass survived the wounds, but this image became the cover of Life magazine on July 28, 1967. Yeah. So, this is what, you know, this is what was happening in Newark at the time. And unfortunately, if you look at our news today, there's a lot of similar images that we're seeing. 53 years later. And it's. 53 years later. Stuff. The only difference is everyone has cameras now. So it's easier to report this because, I mean, Think about how many incidents happened during that time that weren't reported, that people know nothing about, because Correct. there weren't, you know, people out there videotaping or camera, you know, having. Cameras. Yeah, you didn't have a cell phone with a camera. Right. Yeah. But people were lucky to have a camera. Again, right. you're talking also about an area, you know, <laughs> a very disadvantaged area. Yeah. They're not going to have money for a camera. There cameras anyway. Nope. Exactly. So now the Newark riots. People often cite this as a major factor in the decline of Newark and the neighboring uh, communities, um, and you know the, the long-term racial, economic, and political forces contributed towards these generating um, inner city uh, inner city poverty at the time. It, right. it, it, it wasn't just oh the riots did it, but hey, 
everything that built up to the riots and continued afterwards, that that's really kind of what happened to Newark. Again, you, you, you mentioned, Pete, you know, okay, when you think of Newark, you think of the Prudential Center, you think of some of the great restaurants. That mm-hmm. also, you know, w- w- the NJ Pack is in Newark, right. a, a, yep. a great, great art center. Mm-hmm. Th- there's many great places in Newark, but for many years, yeah, th- that was not happening in Newark. No, it, it was a mess. Because when yeah. I worked there in the, uh, in the 90s, it was before they had built the packs, uh, they were ordering the tearing down of the um, mental hospitals to make room. Yeah. You know, and so you had like all these but, mentally but, deficient yeah, people, people roaming the streets because they had nowhere to go. Yeah, people didn't need mental hospitals, did they? Yeah. Really? <laughs> right? Like, you know, it's unbelievable. But it, these things are always possible when you dehumanize other people. You don't even look at them as human beings. Right. Like they're just objects that are in your way or whatever. Like the guy gunning down innocent people, still a six pack of beer and deserve to be shot for that. Right. You know, you know and, uh, and the leadership at the top in the city of New York was garbage yeah. mm-hmm. then. Because yep. obviously and, he had no, you know, he didn't value his own citizens because nope. they were, you know, others. Right. And and we're going to go back to the mayor in, in a moment. And just just to let you know, to, to give you also a picture, there's still several pl- you know plots in Newark, still covered in decay to this day, from the riots of '67. Right. And it has still not been fully built back up, but thankfully, yeah, it somewhat has. There's a lot of work to go. But if the if the effort had been placed in rebuilding or restoring those areas like they should have been in other areas, then it would have been you know, a hell of a lot better off than it is now. But there was no economic will to do it. Because it was like, oh, well, we don't live here anyway, so why should we put money into this? Right. Yeah, good point. Right. Yeah. J- j- just, j- just to sum up with what had happened, like yeah, to give you some numbers too, in six days, the, the, the Newark riots left a total of 16 civilians, eight suspects, a police officer, and a firefighter dead. Damn. Hmm. 353 civilians, 214 suspects, 67 police officers, 55 firefighters, and 38 military personnel were all injured. (laughs) 689 civilians and 811 suspects arrested. Now, here... What what? T- take what I just said there. Six hundred and eighty-nine civilians oh, right. and eight hundred and eleven suspects mm-hmm. were yeah, arrested. Also civilians. <laughs> yeah. yeah, six hundred eighty-nine of them. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> no. Yeah. The the property damage at the time. What was expected to um was. Uh, eh, I can't speak. Sorry. Um, assessed at about ten million, uh, over ten million dollars of nineteen sixty-seven money. Yeah, which mm. is like for back then, it'd be nuts. Mm. Yeah. Well, here, here, here's go, going back to that. You know, that mayor. What you were saying that cared so yeah. cared so much about his uh, cons- constituents in Newark. Well. The mayor 
of Newark, Hugh J. Adonizio, see, I got it better that time, was convicted of extortion in oh. 1970. Yeah, big surprise. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, you, you, you think something wrong was happening? Yeah, th- th- this is the quality of that politician, of uh, Adonizio. And j- just, just to give you some recent stats on Newark. Newark, as of, well, again, when I say recent, I'm going to go back 20 years. Right. <laughs> but just to give, give you a contrast from 1967 to 2000, as of 2000, the census, Newark was 52% African-American, 34, 34% Latino, and 14% white. Want to take a guess at the, the makeup of the police department at that point? Probably damn near 90%. Predominantly white for sure. Yeah. Well, thankfully, the percentages have shifted. Again, it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. It doesn't totally represent the demographics of the actual city. But at as of 2000, the department was 37% African American. Wow. Okay. Mm. 27% Hispanic. And 36% 36% white. Okay. Much better. Yeah. <laughs> much, better. much better. But but again, if you go by the demographics... Um, yeah. It wait. should be better. Hold on a second. Uh, Only 14% of the North population is white. Is white. <laughs> yeah. but, mm-hmm. but almost an equal percentage of white police officers uh, were on the force at that time. 30, 36% to 37%. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's that, well, we have to maintain some level of control type of thing. Yeah, and it's a shame because one of the things that they always talk about is, and in other cities they had done, where the officers from those particular areas lived in those areas. So they knew the citizens and they knew how to be amongst them. Right. Things like that. Whereas Mm -hmm. now these people are basically looking at, at these people like they're animals in a cage. You know, and they have to go in and feed the animals. And if, if you come in with that type of mindset, then, of course, you're going to have that over-aggressive policing and uh, the abuse and things like that. Because right. you're not even looking at them as human beings. And that that's the, the key point. Mm-hmm. It's like, no matter if you're a citizen, you're a policeman, you're a politician, you're, you're anyone, you're still a human being. But when certain people get in power... Others are not treated as such. Yeah. So what we're going to actually jump to now, we're going to jump about 18 miles, what is that, southwest. In 1967, we're going to jump to Plainfield. Ah, Plainfield. There we go. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you guys know about the Plainfield riots as part of the summer of... That was like the, the other big, big one in New Jersey other than Newark. Well, do you know, uh, Pete? Like, no, I th- this is actually the first I've heard of the Plainfield riots. Okay, and you yeah. see, and and this is one of the problems too. This is one of the problems. I didn't know about you know, earlier the Plainfield riots. You didn't know about the Plainfield riots. Um, wh- why aren't these things being taught in school? Right. And these well, are you know, important like, things in history. That and and I'm I'm just gonna digress for a moment. What's said, and you know, like going along with that, 
1921, Tulsa. Right. When did you know about that, Frank? I don't know about that. It's coming up. Okay. Pete, do, do you know what happened in 1921 in Tulsa? No. Again, like I'm claiming ignorance here, but I, I want to be okay. educated. Yeah, we're, as it was labeled, Black Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this, this prominent, like, um, very affluent part of Oklahoma. What was it? The Greenville? Green, I, yeah, I think Greenville. That, Yep, Greenville. because it's also referred to as the Greenville Massacre. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, it was basically. Uh, why don't Why don't you actually d- it was, describe uh, it, Frank? Because I, I I can't. Basically, it was a bunch of, of very successful African American business people. Uh, they had an affluent uh, town set up. Everything was really self sufficient, and they were all just. It was almost kind of a, a unit contained unto itself. But the, the locals, uh, apparently, it was a lot of uh, resentment and jealousy. Then there was some um, alleged incident where uh, a white woman had been assaulted or something, and they used this as an excuse to just basically go in and annihilate the entire area. They actually had planes that dropped bombs on buildings, killing people. Yeah, they, so, and, and they, and they, they have an official body count, but uh, they were saying that it was way worse than what they actually yeah. reported. And I think that was the first time... That for air warfare, bombs were dropped out of oh. yeah, <laughs> really out of planes plane. because the last time. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah. because if you think back to World War One, I, I don't even know if that was part of the warfare really strategy at that point. No. You, you had guns mounted on planes. planes but, yeah. Think of the Red Baron no, and, and and think of you know like the, you know, the Royal Air Force of Britain. That's what you mainly had. Like uh, airplane-wise at the time, not bombs being dropped. Well, domestically, this is what was invented. Yeah, as, as part of it. I did not know about the the Tulsa massacre until Watchmen. Until Watchmen, the HBO a series. A lot of people learned about that. Through, uh, I thought it's like, oh wow, th- th- this is an interesting thing. I'm like, oh wow, like, okay, so in in this. Yeah, like in this version of things, uh, like in Watchmen world, this is what happened. And then I go to find out, no, this is our world too. This is what actually happened in Oklahoma. Now, afterwards, you know, there weren't superheroes and people in masks, but well, I'm sorry, there are people in masks. That's us nowadays with with COVID nineteen. But um, but yeah, this is why when I talk about the Plainfield riots. Most people don't even know about them. Yeah. They, they've they heard about the Newark riots. They may not know much about them, but they've heard, you know, oh, yeah, in 1967, there were riots in Newark. Yeah. Well, Plainfield riots. Um, about, you know, at that time in 1967, about one-third of the residents of Plainfield were African-American. And tensions were already high because of some of the similar things that we spoke about in right. Newark were happening in Plainfield. Again, d- d- different different mayor and not exactly the same events of, you know, people weren't uh, being kicked out for a, uh, a medical school, you know, c- kicked out of their housing. But, again, uh, people being stopped for no reason and, unfortunately, police brutality. D- these are the things that were 
high in uh, Plainfield at the time as well. So when the night of July 14th, two days after the Newark riots broke out, at a local diner, ironically called the White Star, a fight broke out. As a result of the fight, about 40 young African-American men left the diner and marched back to their housing project in the west end of Plainfield. Along the way, smashing store windows and throwing rocks at police cars. The local police force then showed up in force and the group, the group dispersed. But the next night, trouble really started. Now, here's something that's going to sound familiar to both of you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess. Many longtime residents of Plainfield said that outside agitators, some white and, and some African-American, who didn't live in Plainfield, came into the city to provoke violence and rile up the community. D- d- does any of this sound familiar? Yes, it's far too familiar. Yeah. What's going on now? Right. Well, as a result, rioting and looting increased. Molotov cocktails were thrown at, at fire trucks responding to calls. Uh, police from surrounding jurisdictions were called in, and the crowds dispersed. Uh, what basically, it, it wasn't just because the police got there, but heavy rains started falling. Uh, early Sunday morning. But by Sunday afternoon, several hundred people gathered at Green Book Park in Plainfield to hear the local director of human relations talk about the situation in the city. Unfortunately, the Union County Park Police, who had jurisdiction over uh, Green Book Park, declared that the meeting was unlawful and ordered the crowd to disperse. Again, Things that are sounding, unfortunately, yeah. all too familiar right now. Exactly. Some reported that the police also dismissively referred to the gatherers as, and again, I apologize, uh, they use, uh, referred to them as boys in right. urging them to leave the park. Which is a very common thing as well. Yeah. Mm. And a, a, as you can imagine, it was quite inflammatory uh, to, to hear that and led to more anger. The, the crowd broke up and reformed in the west end of Plainfield, where more rioting started. The police were caught off guard because they thought, hey, you know, the the demonstration got uh, uh, broken up in the park, but they weren't expecting it to just move. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, uh, another episode happened that evening. A, a, A white police officer, John Gleason, manned a checkpoint when a white motorcycle gang known as the Pagans entered the area. And a confrontation started brewing between them and a group of African-American men. Gleason got in the middle of both groups. Well, the, the, the motorcycle gang left, but the crowd refused to disperse. And Gleason became surrounded by the crowd, which began to threaten him. In reaction, Gleason fired a shot and wounded uh, Bobby Lee Williams. Was it was the man that he hit? He then tried to leave the area uh, to get help, 
but was overtaken by the mob, beaten and killed with his own uh, um, revolver. Yeah. The same night in Middlesex, which is nearby, an arms factory is broken into, and forty and forty six automatic weapons were stolen. The stolen guns were passed out to men on the streets of Plainfield that night. Which, of course, the police grew anxious because of now <laughs> yeah. the number of guns now on the streets. Yeah, and, and they're way better than your little uh, revolvers. Yeah. Right. And, and the crazy thing is, uh, gunfire broke out, and the Plainfield Fire Department station actually was under fire for five hours, and you can still find bullet holes in the brick facade of the building to this day. Wow. And as as earlier in our story, the National Guard was brought in in armored personnel carriers uh, to uh, to relieve the situation. Now, police tried to arrange a truce and then have the residents turn in the stolen guns. But as you can only imagine, they felt safer having the guns in their community. Yeah. And it felt that, okay, well, now they had a little bit of power, you know, like that, that the police didn't have all the power. Right. Now, none of the firearms returned. The area was cordoned off. And then 300 heavily armed New York State police and National Guardsmen started a house to house search for the stolen weapons. Oh, boy. Yeah, the, 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 this sounds good, right? Yeah, we're not yeah. violating the Constitution in any way, shape, or form here. Uh, oh, no, it's it's okay, Frank, because <laughs> the police felt that since Governor Hughes, governor of New Jersey at the time, had declared a state of emergency, no oh, search warrants were needed. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. What could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. But oh, thankfully, God. about an hour and a half, after about an hour and a half, after 66 homes were searched, they called off the operation. By July 21st, Things calmed down to a point where uh, the National Guard and uh, state police pulled out of the city. Good. And dozens of African-American residents later filed suit against the government, claiming that their constitutional rights had been violated during the search for the stolen guns. Yeah. The crazy part, several weeks after the riot. The local police and FBI were still looking for the weapons, but only a few guns were ever recovered. Wow. Now, in comparison to what happened in Newark, okay, over um, more than 100 people were arrested for looting and rioting during the disturbance, but only Officer Gleason was the only person killed. I'm sorry? I said, okay, so yeah, he was the only one that died. He was the only person that died as, as a part of the violence of the Plainfield riot. In December 1968, a jury convicted two people, uh, one man, one woman, of murder in his death, and they were both sentenced to life in prison. Seven others, though, were acquitted, and one case was declared a mistrial because of a deadlocked jury. But just like Newark and like many cities, Plainfield suffered a decline from the stigma of the riots. Of the riots. Yep. And many of the burned, looted businesses remained vacant for decades. Yeah. And again, as the narrative went, many left for neighboring towns. Mm-hmm. People 
w- that wanted to move out had trouble ser- selling their homes, and some of them just abandoned their properties. Yeah, because the value's got to be, like, garbage at that point. Right. Yeah. M- many of the houses that were left were then just converted into multifamily homes. There we go. Now, to this day, Plainfield, New Jersey, remains one of the poorest ur- urban areas in our state. Huh. With, a, with a 16% poverty rate. Jesus. And 7% of those having an income less than 50% of poverty. That's insane. So wow. you're even poorer than poor. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. poor, and then there's, unfortunately, Plainfield poor. Plainfield poor. poor. Yeah. 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 Now, the long, hot summer of 1967. By September, 83 people had died. Thousands wow. Injured, tens of millions of dollars in property had been destroyed, and entire neighborhoods were burned. Now, at the end of July, though, the president at the time, do, do, do either of you know who was president? Uh, when the 67? Yeah. That would have been Johnson, I believe. You're correct. Yeah. President Johnson set up the Kerner Commission to investigate the riots. And in 68, they released a report blaming pervasive societal inequalities in American urban areas for the riots. Sounds good, right? Yeah, but probably not. (laughs) Well, here's what happened afterwards. To mark the 30th anniversary of that report, the Eisenhower Foundation sponsored a couple of more reports, one of them being the Millennium Breach. The Millennium Breach found that the racial divide had actually grown in subsequent years in with inner-city unemployment at crisis levels. Because what they found was the decade that followed the Kerner Report, the decade after the riots, the decade after the civil rights movement, America actually had made some progress on the fronts that, you know, what the report dealt with. Race, poverty, and inner cities. But can either of you guess what happened next? Uh, Do you know, Frank? I'm thinking it's probably something housing related or something along those lines. Well, well, basically, let's let's put it general. Progress stops, and actually, in some ways. Because of a series of economic shocks and trends and government's action and inaction, it actually reversed. Yeah, it's a start to, uh, to regress. Exactly. To worse. So, he, he, here's the summation. I, I, I know we lost uh, Pete for a moment here, but Frank. Yeah, yeah, yeah he just had those. Here's the thing. Have we learned anything from... The night the, from the long hot summer of 1967, because I don't know the the state of actually United States today d- doesn't seem um, a lot different if you yeah. t- if you think about what we just talked about and what we're seeing on on video because a lot of people, as you said, have cameras today and news reports and you know. First-hand accounts. 
yeah, unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of this repeat. So, like, it really is a situation where what's old is new because it's the it's almost like pattern behavior that right. just repeats itself every couple of decades or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's cycles. Yeah, yeah, yeah cycles. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I'm I'm hoping that the end of this cycle will be much different. Yeah, in, in fact, uh, I, 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 yeah. Yesterday, my, my wife and I actually took part in something bigger than ourselves. We, we actually took place in, in Hackensack, one of two actual demonstrations. We, 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 did, we did a march. Which was awesome. Down Main, we, we marched down Main Street, went to the courthouse. Um, yeah, there were presentations done there. Then we marched up Essex. We marched down your street, Frank. Yeah, right past my house. <laughs> then we marched up, uh, marched up uh, like past the school. We marched up American Legion Way, took a right, marched down Summit Ave, and back down Passaic. We basically marched around Hackensack yesterday. Hackensack. Yeah. I'm hoping. Yeah, you know, th- there were many people that came outside to basically greet and support. During the marches, right? Like you, you saw some. You, you were right. one of the people that came out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I'm hoping that this narrative can change. I, I suspect it might this time. First of all, there are a lot. There were a lot of young people out there. Right. Extremely encouraging. But second of all, because of the interconnectivity of the world now, where you're seeing protests in different countries. You know, yes. where they're holding up signs it supports matter and things like that. These aren't, aren't things that you saw before because these people did not have access to that. But now, because everything is so interconnected globally, you see more of this. So the movement is even bigger than it had been. And so right. the prior iteration, because right? the, the last major one that I can recall, at least, was uh, was in uh, 92 with, with the whole Rodney King uh, situation. Well, well, actually, no, no. We, we also had, uh, what was it, 2000. Was it 12? Oh, right. Ferguson. Wow. Ferguson. Uh, yeah. 2014, I believe. 2014, sorry. 14. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there have been some, but not to this scale. Yeah. This is this is bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, just how egregious his death was, how long it was, you know, George Floyd's uh, death was, and how drawn out it was. And that's something you, you can't justify. It's, it's no. easier for someone to say, oh, well, if you didn't resist or if you didn't do this, this, that, and the other thing. But in a situation like that, no. There's no possible justification that you can have with, without sounding like a complete none whatsoever monster. So, yeah, so. agree. And, and it's just I, I I hope things can change from this because yeah. I don't want to you know twenty years down the line you know if podcast still exists <laughs> I don't want to go over the same history again yeah. and again. Yeah, because I'd be in my 70s at that point. <laughs> so, yeah, same here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, 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 I'd rather not be. I'd rather, I'd rather be talking at the time, you know, be it on a podcast or what, whatever technology exists at the t- at that point about what changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know uh, about you know p- people that are disadvantaged, you know, socioeconomically, uh, you know, like actually getting their chance. To, to to actually find housing for people that have been homeless, 
right. to actually to actually tackle the issue of the police brutality. And again, it, it, here's the thing, you know, and, and you know, this is controversial in that, you know, it's not all police, right? Absolutely. But there's a problem with the system, right? There's a problem with the system that we can see in many areas of the country. Some of similar tactics being yeah. done, and and it's like, wait, how can this be happening? Like some of these places are now just uh, now banning chokeholds, things like right? That. Mm-hmm. That's been a, a slippery slope for decades. Yeah, you know, but because there's so much more political will, uh, because so much attention has been drawn to this, now people are starting to to kind of. You know, say, well, maybe we should stop doing this. And that, that in itself is some change, which is good. Uh, one of the things that's encouraging for me is, particularly as a, a, a black person, is that we've been going through this shit. Like I said, I'm, I'll be 53 in November. <clears throat> but you're starting to see a lot of, of people who aren't people of color finally becoming aware of some of the shit that we've been telling people for decades that no one wants to listen to. You know, and now they're starting to get it, and they're starting to say, "Oh my God!" You know, what the hell is going on here? You know, and they're finally starting to to realize this shit's been going on, and, and that it hasn't been right from the start. So, if those people can be effective allies and affect some type of change, so that things end up getting better, then that's also progress. You know, and especially when you've got a lot of these younger kids that are doing it. Yeah, and that mm-hmm. that really that gives me the most hope is to right. see the youth. You know, being so involved and so engaged, and 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 they they were definitely well represented yesterday. Yeah, like at, yeah, like at yeah, the just, hang- and, You guys walking past, so I'm just looking at all these kids that are out there. Mm-hmm. And it it, it, it is it, it is uh, it, it is good to see that, and it's also good to see that the uh, two days prior, what happened on Thursday. Uh-huh. The, the protest that was arranged at the Hackensack Courthouse mm-hmm. was actually arranged by recent Hackensack High School yeah, graduates. Yeah, because wow. teenagers. Kids. Yeah, and it was like that is so cool. You know, yeah. I watched some of that on uh, Facebook, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it's. I, I don't know. I. I it, it's exhausting, but <laughs> I, I say that. But at the same point, yeah, okay, yeah, this is all exhausting. But it's been going on for, for decades and yeah. and truthfully centuries. Yeah. If you if you if you really go back into American yeah. history, yeah. I was talking to a buddy of mine, James, um, Frank's younger brother. Yeah, I, would, I remember about, um, about growing up and having to have that talk about how to interact with or how to behave around police officers and things like that and make sure that there are certain things you don't do because you don't want to get yourself shot. And it's not that all police officers are necessarily bad, but no. you don't know. And you have to err on the side of caution. Right. You know? And it's it's crazy that my mom had to have that speech given to her. You know? And then she has to turn around and she has to give that to me. And I think I was like 11. When, so we're talking over 42 years ago or some shit like that. You know, And it's just it's a continuation. It's almost it's a generational thing, really. Right. This is just you have to be cautious, you know, and you have to be careful with how you you behave around certain, you know, police officers because you just don't know. And I've known, you know, some of the the, the cops here that that we went to school with, who yeah. were like, okay, if this guy ever becomes a cop, he's going to be the biggest jackass 
and a couple of them were, you know, and then you get the other uh, ones that are like really cool. So but, but, but right. you've got to be careful because you don't know. Again, and I, I feel bad for people like, again, w- w- one of my neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. D- Demetrius, Demetrius. Not gonna last name. Awesome. Yeah. Who is awesome. Now, he is African American and he is a Hackensack policeman. He has two daughters and one does he have to have the talk. Right. And and, mm-hmm. and how does the talk like you know, like how does he have that talk being as a police officer African American and a yeah. police officer? Yeah. And I just like how hard is that? That's gotta be rough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because at the end of the day, you're black before anything, because that's the first thing they're going to see. So, right. you know, that's something that you have to deal with, you know, especially when dealing with your kids. Right. Well, um, usually in our podcast, we we, we uh, now go into our, our game. I, I think we need a, a little of that just to go over notables of New Jersey throughout the years, African-American uh, notable names. Pete, do, do you have uh, a list for us today? Yeah, I do. Um, with my Jersey, not Jersey. I mean, I did, you know, a, a, what do you call it? Like a, a little mix of, uh, I'll, I'll start off maybe with, a, I think one that's, um, how do you call it? Uh, that is a gimme, perhaps. Okay. <laughs> or not. Um, how about Count Basie? Now, born in New Jersey or not born in New Jersey? Uh, Do you know that he, one? He, I think he was. And if he wasn't, he should have been because dude has the coolest name. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you, what do you say? <laughs> Count. Come on. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go on record. Yeah, the, yeah, he is Jersey because in Red Bank, we have the Count Basie Theater. And um, I believe one of his compositions was The Boy from Red Bank. Ah. Yeah, you would think if uh... – a famous theater named in uh, New Jersey. Right. After a particular individual, you would hope that they be born in New Jersey, and uh, that is the case. Uh, that Count Basie was born in a Red Bank, New Jersey. Ah, there um, we go. You know, it's something I, I I never knew that. Did you know that Count Basie was the first African American to win a Grammy? I did, I did not know that. that. Yeah, back in 1958. <laughs> wow. That I, I know. What you come across uh, with these All right. <laughs> details are just really incredible. Um, now, now I bet you, Frank, you might get this one being the NFL fan. You are, uh, Franco Harris, the running back for the Steelers. Now, is he from the steel curtain state or no? I think he's from Jersey. It might've been like further South, which doesn't really, yeah, we call that like, you know, the other New Jersey, but yeah, Mm -hmm. I think he's from, uh, from uh, further South. I also believe he's half Italian, if I remember correctly. I think I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, and, and 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 I I already know this answer. <laughs> yeah, he and he's I believe an army brat. Yeah. Yeah, but boy, both of you, major points here. Yes. <laughs> he, uh, and I hate um, his students. mother I like was uh, in fact a, a war bride from Italy. So points oh, on Frank's okay. side there. And yes, he and uh, Nick, he was an army brat. Uh, born in uh, Fort Dix, uh, New Jersey. New Jersey, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah Jersey. Dad served in World War II. So. Excellent. But what do you got next for us, uh, Pete? All right. So, um, Maya Angelou. Maya famous Angelou. American poet, author, oh. activist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was she born in New Jersey? I don't, I don't remember. remember. I 
don't think she was born in New Jersey. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Frank. I I, I yeah, yeah something's telling me. It, was she from further down south? Oh, you may be right, Nick. You want the answer? Yes. The answer is from St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. There we go. Yep. Uh, what do you think? Like, we'll do like one more and I'll, I'll make it a, <laughs> let, let's do, uh, how about we do like an actor actress just to keep uh, things light here for this one. Okay. Let's do Zoe Saldana. No. From oh. Avatar, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, Gamora. Uh, yeah. And she's from New Jersey. I think Jersey City. Or am I thinking uh, Michelle Rodriguez? But no, I think it is oh, her. Wait. You know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm, going, is... I'm, I'm going with you, Frank. Yeah. From uh, from New Jersey, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Zoe Saldana is actually, yes, from Passaic, New Jersey. Okay. Passaic, well, nice, Passaic, nice. Yeah. Woohoo. Um, yeah, Nikki, you know, getting back I did, with the uh, the march that uh, that you went on, I, I had to, like I said, to cut out because my wonderful headphones cut out for a bit. But how many people did you mention that on the podcast showed up? Or? No, I did not mention because I'm not sure of the total number of people. But as Frank yeah. said, you know, like, okay, we were, I think, at the beginning, we were sort of somewhere in the middle. When we passed Frank, we kind of hung back a little bit, you know, so we could actually say hi to Frank. Right, and yeah, you know, even though we were then more towards the end, there were still a it lot went on, yeah. yeah, on. People were still marching up Essex Street. Wow, you, so you still saw so, you know crowds of people coming up the street, yeah, like coming up and making the uh, making a right. Yeah, yeah. One thing I enjoyed about that too is there was a cop standing on the side of the, in front of my building, just a little further down, and mm-hmm. as we're going past, they were shaking their hands. Stuff like that, and it was yep. cool because it wasn't like they're on hostile footing or anything like that. No, right, he, he was very receptive and positive to that. And, and that's one of the things, also, I wanted to bring up about New Jersey. That's one of the things I'm a, I'm proud about with New Jersey. If you look at what's happened around this country, the the, the demonstrations in mm-hmm. Jersey have been mainly peaceful. Peaceful, yeah, yes, in, right. including what Frank is saying. Cops actually joining in the marches, cops putting down their riot gear, cops taking a knee, cops praying together with everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's what we're going to need. That is exactly what we need. We 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 need. It, it's it's a step. Right. It's 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 one step. Yeah. And yeah, there's all, all, but it's it's the step. It's the first step in the right direction. Exactly. And I'm hoping that. We can take more steps in the right direction in, in the upcoming days, months, and years. Yeah. All I know is I'm keeping my black ass out of Buffalo because something yeah. happened yeah. up there. <laughs> Jesus. Mm. Yeah, I, I, you know what? Um, after the events up there, it, it, it doesn't matter. I, I don't want to even go up there. No. I, I, it, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, as Mike, as Michael Jackson said, no matter if you're black or white, I, I, yeah, it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. if you go up there to Buffalo. It's <laughs> exactly. it's not a good scene. No, not at all. But it's really yeah, you know, NJ.com has done a really good job with um, detailing all these different marches. Uh, right. And then, you know, I, I think like for resources, if you you know they had uh, mentioned you know when certain marches were um, going on in what towns, and it was remarkable to see. I mean, it, it seemed within every county. Uh, and an, an unreal amount of uh, participation um, 
going on in multiple, multiple towns in, in all counties in New Jersey. So wow. it's um, it, it's really nice, you know, and, and I'm glad That's to see that yeah. uh, about raising awareness. You know, I think they said that there was not a single state in uh, the union, right, in the in the United States that um did not have well, a march. Have one, right? Right. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's what you want, you know. Absolutely. Have to be able to get out there and demonstrate, and, you know, and all that stuff. And it, it was right. Like they had ones in um, one of my coworkers was at, I think she did two of them in Patterson, and then there was one in Clifton. And she remembered she did that one too. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and she was saying every time everyone is peaceful and they're all mm-hmm. cool and they're all marching and they're just holding signs and they're chanting stuff. You know, and it was like this is nice because they need their voices heard. Yeah, exactly. People were finally listening. So, yeah, like and, the NFL and, and, finally and, admitted that they were wrong about the whole uh, kneeling situation. Yeah, I mean, we knew this five years ago, but right. it's good that they finally come around. Now it's due to so much attention and, and pressure. Right. But nevertheless, you know, at least it's being acknowledged now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like Frank said, a lot of young people, you know, um, driving yesterday actually ran into a. Uh, a local protest here in Morris County. And um, it, it was just a sea of really young high school kids, you know, uh, young, you know, with 21 and under pretty and, much. And that I saw. Diverse, it, it, that made like up a majority. White kids and yes. You know, yes. Like black kids, Spanish. Yes. Out there because it's, for them, it's not about race. It's about the, the movement. Right. You know, and right. That's, that's what you want. Well, guys, I, I know we got to wrap up here. Yep. We're, we're a few minutes over. Mm-hmm. But I want to thank you guys for being part of. Again, this is not an easy subject to cover, but it's relevant yes. and needs to, and history needs to be discussed so we don't keep repeating it. So th- you know, th- th- thank you, Pete and Frank. Thank you very much for being part of this. Yeah, thank you, Frank and uh, and Nick for the education on. Uh you know, all the different uh, riots that had occurred. Yeah, and and to all those out there, I implore you, read up on this. Look out there. There, There's resources. You you have this thing called the Internet. You'll be amazed at what you find. Mm -hmm. And But, you know, be careful of your sources. You have a new text message. And you have a new text message, Frank. But for What Exit Jersey Stories, I've been Nick Franco. And I'm Pete Riario. I'm Franklin Ramsey. Thank you all. Take care. Be safe. See you, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.